Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And because of the joy awaiting him, we endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from the sinful people. Then you won't become weary and you won't give up. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you? Wow. It is. Thank you. Very kind. It is so good. So good to be with my church family. I've missed you. It's good uh, to be here. The big question that I have been getting over and over again from many has been, so what in the world have you been doing over the past four or five months? And the answer to that question is this. Micah and I have been traveling literally from coast to coast, from uh, California to Charleston, South Carolina, to the north and Michigan and down in South Texas, sharing the message of this house the same message that we've been sharing for over 22 years, that there's hope, healing, and freedom found in the person of Jesus Christ. Specifically, as it relates to our mental wellness, that Jesus loves us right where we are and loves us way too much to leave us there, and there are ways we can connect with him and get his power involved in our weakness. Uh, but it's interesting, as I've been on all of these airplanes uh, there's one common thing that I am hearing from people everywhere I go. I'm talking about churches, schools, uh, hotel convention rooms, these after conversations I'm having, that whether you live in California as a college student, or whether you live in Charleston as a married young family, whether you're a grandfather who lives up north or in the Midwest, whether you're in South Texas is an empty nester. This is what I hear. It just doesn't feel like I'm winning. Do anybody get that? Or does anybody in here identify with that? It just doesn't feel like I'm winning. Whether it's uh, mental health battles, whether it's high gas prices. I mean, it's just, we could go down the list and people don't feel like they're winning. And the question that I want to answer today is how do we respond when we don't feel like we're winning? Would this be helpful to anybody? It's where you would talk back to me. Okay, good. In 2018, late in that year, the doctor stood in front of a young man named Cole Reagans. And he said to him, well, you've got one of two options. The first option is that you could walk out the door right now and quit and find something else to do for a living. Or you can lace them up for another ride. Everyone in the room and associated with the organization said it took him less than 30 seconds to say, let's ride, let's go. Cole was the number one draft pick of Texas Rangers in 2016, a hard-throwing left-hander. He came into the organization in an era, some of you baseball fans remember, when 
the leadership had designed this unique program to minimize injuries. And it wasn't very long after he had begun this program that, I don't know the technical name for it, but he threw out his left elbow ligament and he had Tommy John surgery. Now, I'm told that that's a painful, arduous, complicated, frustrating rehab that takes 14 to 18 months, generally speaking. But it wasn't when he broke it the first time that the doctor asked him that. It's when he began his throwing program and he broke the ligament for a second time. And it's pretty instructive this day to hear Cole's story because last Thursday night, Cole was the starting pitcher for the Texas Rangers where his family, friends, and lots of fans stood to their feet to applaud a feat that no one in that organization had ever done, come back from two Tommy John surgeries. But look at me, everybody. They weren't applauding his performance. They were applauding his perseverance. Now, with with God's confidence, seriously, no arrogance, but God's confidence, I think I'm going to help you today. I really believe I'm going to help you learn this principle, biblical principle of what perseverance is and how it is developed in your life. There are times God bestows it upon you, Daniel chapter 10 The Bible tells us that the Lord came and touched Daniel and restored his energy, put resiliency in him, if you will. But you have a part to play as well. And whether you're a parent of a young child about to go back to school, whether you're like me, a grandparent trying to speak truth in the life of your grandkids, whether you're a young adult about to begin another school year, or whether you're a single in a job, right now that doesn't seem to be your ultimate job in life. You need to learn the principle of how to persevere. That this grit, this tenacity, this resiliency, this ability to bounce back is vital to you becoming everything that God has called you to become. And you go, you don't know me, I don't know you, but Christ in you is your hope of glory. And it's Jesus in you that wants to build the very best version of you. And many of us miss it because we're tired, we're weary, we're beat down. My friend John Maxwell says that there's nothing in life worthwhile that's not an uphill climb. My dad is 88. He and my mother celebrated 66 years of marriage yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, isn't that awesome? Um, And my dad, uh, he's very interested in this ministry that God has given Mike and I to do. And so about every two weeks he calls, says, Toby, how's your ministry? How's it going? What's happening? And I always tell him the same thing. Dad, we are working our rear ends off to become an overnight sensation. Because listen to me, perseverance doesn't happen in an instant. There's no viral perseverance. You build it one decision at a time. 
there's several places in scripture we can look at it. I just thought we'd go to my favorite book of practicality to the one passage that's always driven me crazy until I figured it out. It's James chapter one. I love the book of James. It's so intensely practical. It's not conceptual. He says, here's the principle. Here's how you ought to think about it. And here's some things you can do to live it out. That's the book of James. But he begins this book with some words that for so long drove me crazy because I didn't understand them. It says in James chapter one, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. What is the work of perseverance? So that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And if I were to ask you to raise your hand, what is your goal in life? I would like to be mature. I would like to be completed in Jesus. I would like the last word said about me that I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I kept the faith. I wanna be this Old Testament hero who they said he served his days and then he went to be with the Lord. Isn't that you? It's going to take perseverance. So I'm feeling fully Baptist today, so we're gonna, I'm gonna give you three Ps. I want you to write them down. I didn't bring a watermelon, so we're gonna go with like the Baptist P thing today. Uh, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I, I'm not into... I'm into practicality and sim- I want to put the cookies on the lowest shelf for me. That's a whole nother message, isn't it? <laughs> so write this down. James says in James chapter one that for you to develop tenacity, grit, perseverance, number one, you have to have a problem. You have to have a problem. Anybody here got a problem? Anybody? You guys back there not playing or I need to take you to a class on denial not being a river in Egypt, right? Like you cannot develop perseverance without a problem, without a challenge, without an uphill climb. And for the longer that you've gone to church, the harder it is for you to deep down inside of you really believe that a problem in life does not necessarily mean that there's something wrong with you or something wrong with God. It's called the world we live in. Bad things happen to good people. Really good people get sick and there's no answer for it. No matter what dumb things we say. People get sick. People disappoint you. People who don't deserve to lose their job loses their job. Your kids could rebel and you could have done everything right. Your kids could be great and you could have done everything wrong. There's no formula here, right? And I love the uh, take heart, I have overcome this world talk of Jesus. I don't like the in this world you will have trouble talk of Jesus. I want the second half but not the first half, right? But somewhere along the line, the first place most of us go when a problem is, oh, God must be a long way away. A couple of things drive me crazy. One is when people want to tell me that God's punishing them. God doesn't punish you. You're, every mistake you've ever made was paid for at the cross of Jesus. If you're in Jesus, you're unpunishable. But the second thing is people, oh, God, he's just a long way away. 
What do you mean? Well, if he was near, this wouldn't have happened to me. Really? Have you read the Bible lately? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Where'd God do his best work in their life? In a fire. Not, hey, I'm gonna keep you from the fire. And you realize those dudes that were not walking in there going, this is gonna be in the Bible one day. Awesome. <laughs> Daniel prays. I mean, he prays his face off. He doesn't wanna go in the lion's den. And God did his work there. Jesus Face first in the dirt. Don't make me do this. God's greatest work happens not on the top of the mountain, but in the valley of the shadow. I've just, I've done this for 40 years, man. I'm not, I'm not a counselor. I don't play one on TV, but I just haven't met the guy that said, man, my marriage is so awesome. Let's go get some marriage counseling. I just never met that guy. I've never met the person that goes to a financial seminar because they have more money than they know what to do with. I don't go Dave Ramsey, man. We have to go figure out how to use this margin. That's not what people do. It, it is pain. It is problem. It is challenge. It is walking uphill where your transformation happens. And mine. I mean, Many of you, Josiah mentioned a moment ago, you know, it was like, many of you are new here. You don't know my story. I mean, but for 27 years at times, I have battled to varying degrees, anxiety and a panic disorder. I mean, I've had more oil poured on my head than Jiffy Lube through the years. Uh, Really? And two months ago, I had, was it two months ago, baby? I had like one of the worst panic attacks I've had in eight years, 10 years. It's always funny, people will say, well, what were you anxious about? Well, I don't know. That's why it's a disorder. (laughs) But it it literally took the wind out of my sails. But what I have learned is that is a signal to connect into God, not begin to assume that God is a long way away. Because we have said for years here, freedom is not the absence of those issues. It's the presence of Jesus with you in those issues. So you got to have a problem. Now, if Josiah was here standing up here with me, you know, it'd be like a Tahoe standing beside a Yugo when it came to like bulked up, right? I wasn't going to build his ego or take mine down. So I didn't ask him to come up. But Josiah would say to you that for you to build muscle, you, there has to be resistance. And resistance, you can't build muscle without pain, which is why me and Jesus, Joe, are fine with this dad bod right here. I'm just not doing it. I mean, I'll come eat ice cream and watch you do it, but I'm not gonna do it. So the larger the resistance, the more opportunity for God to do something in your life. Problem number two, write this down. This is about perspective when you find yourself in a problem. The reason I didn't like James 1, verse 1, is because I didn't realize for too long that James 1, 1 has a comma at the end, not a period. He doesn't say, you gotta go, yippee, I've got some big problems. Consider your pure joy when you face trials of any kind. Why? Because God is at work. 
because you know there's a point to the pain. But do you guys understand how big a deal perspective is? Let's put it this way. Anybody married and that you and your husband see the same thing and don't see it the same way, the exact same thing? Anybody in here? Am I the only one that stands at the refrigerator yelling at Micah, where is the mustard? And like, it's, we're both looking at the same place, but we don't see it. I told the story several years ago, true story about being on an airplane at DFW airport. It was like three days after that huge wind shear event that was a national event. And as we are drawing closer to the airport, you can feel the tension rising the people on the plane. Nobody's gonna say anything, but it's getting tense. Except for one little boy, he was six years old. And every time that plane hit turbulence, he went, wee! We're getting off the plane looking like somebody's beat us up with a bat. This kid's like, can we do it again, mom? Can we do it again? I mean, there's a power in perspective and you have to develop perspective before you get in the middle of the problem, right? Like there are decisions you have to make about what is true before your feelings take over, the emotion takes over in the heat of the moment. Because you need to feel your feelings, but they are a terrible steering wheel for your life. They're terrible. So you have to decide some things ahead of time. Let me tell you two things critical for you to decide before you find yourself in the middle of it. Number one, is God good or not? Is God good? Okay, so here's something that drives me bonkers is when the doctor's report comes back and it's better than what you had thought or the guys, somebody has a need and their group prays and so God honors that prayer and they get something. You know, a positive result, what do Christians say? God is good. You know what? Is God good when the report is negative? Is God good when the deal doesn't come through? That's where the perseverance gets built, right? Like a couple of months ago when I'm battling, uh, having the wind out of me from this thing, look, I decided a long time ago, God is good, man. <laughs> uh, I go back to the rhythms of the things he's given me to do and I'm in the car with the mic and we haven't said a word all day because she knows. It's like, two, it's like two in the afternoon, we're driving and she says, what can I be praying for you? And with a tear running down my face, I just said, you know what to pray for me. You've been praying this for me for 25 years. And she prays that I would believe deep within me that God is good and that God loves me. Everything doesn't have to be good for you to believe God is good. I think there's a generation behind me that is leaving a relationship with God for lots of reasons. But one of the big reasons is God didn't come through in some way they needed him to come through. And they've just thrown the whole thing out. Secondly, not only you have to decide ahead of time is your perspective when you see something. 
to be, I don't, there's nothing good about that. I don't understand that. There's no religious theological answer for that, but God is good. I know God is good. I know his character and nature is good. Number two, you have to decide if God is enough for you. And when I say God is enough, which may not be the best way to say it. I've only had five months to work on it, Joe. Give me some grace. But like, does God have enough for you to get through this situation? You do understand that God is not promising what you want. He's promising you today. Just today. The Israelites wander in the wilderness. You remember this in Exodus and God gives them bread to eat. It rains from heaven. It's called manna. And it was enough for one day. And what did Jesus say about himself? I'm manna, I'm bread. He promises to give you enough for today. Not tomorrow. Which is pretty liberating when you think about it because I don't know about you, but I get overwhelmed with life sometimes. And when I get in trouble is when I start asking God to give me something that he didn't promise to be or to do. And I get overwhelmed and want to quit because I'm like, I just don't know I can do this for another two weeks. I don't have to do it for two weeks. I have to do it for today. I need enough strength for today. He's enough for me today. He will help me today. And you start uh, stringing Today's together and days turn into weeks and weeks turn into months. And God builds something in you. He begins growing you in endurance and perseverance. <clears throat> but many of us, we spit the bit because I just don't know how I can do that for that long. You don't have to do it for that long. You just have to do it for one day. Ask God to give you the strength for one day. I mean, this is what you need to be teaching your children as they go to school. I don't want to go to school. I hate school. I'm not good at school. Well, I just need you to go tomorrow. Do your best tomorrow. Okay, now just do your best the next day. That God is the God of, like, be where your feet are, people. That's my interpretation of each day has enough trouble of its own, you know what? Just be where your feet are today. Believe that, discipline yourself to believe that God is enough for you today. Yeah, but what? It's not the promise. Just today. So you got a problem. You have perspective. Most of the problems. Many of the problems you don't get to choose, but you always get to choose your perspective, even sometimes when it's hard, by the way. But if you boil it all down, it comes down to this. It's all about a person. This is about godly perseverance. An overcoming spirit does not get built outside of relationship with Jesus Christ. It just doesn't. You cannot become 
what God has called you to become outside of a growing, developing, yes, sometimes it's two steps forward and one step back, but a commitment to the relationship between you and Jesus. This ain't a three step to persevere deal. This is a, you are the air I breathe deal with Jesus. So let me make sure, since I don't know a lot of you, like, I'm about to ask you a question, and I'm gonna tell you what I'm asking and not asking you, okay? Like, how are you and Jesus doing? I mean, I could get you to get a piece of paper and everybody write down how their, how their, how their marriage is, how their job, how are you and Jesus doing? Here's what I'm not asking you. I'm not asking you how much you go to church. Going to church ain't making you a Christian any more than going in your garage makes you a car. Checking the box. I'm not telling you how many times you check. Look, man, I'm a local church pastor. I gave my life to the local church. I believe in the local church. I believe as Josiah taught in this, uh, what's it called, garden? I'm sorry. Grow. I was close. Give me a break. Grow series. You need to go listen to it if you, if you haven't heard it. There's good material in there. And he's talking about the condition of the soil. Like you need to be planted in God's house. But I ain't talking about that. Quit telling me how many times you go to church when I ask you, how's it going with Jesus? Man, I hope you're doing good stuff. I hope you're doing good works. I hope you're helping people. I hope your heart beats fast when you see those kids that you helped last weekend. I hope that matters to you. But I'm not asking you how many good things you do. And I sure, don't tell me, don't give me your religious background with your parents. Well, you know, my daddy, he was an elder in the church and you know, we went every week. Okay, I think that's awesome, but God doesn't have grandkids. He has kids, right? Like you have to pick, how is your relationship with the person of Jesus Christ? Are you talking to him regularly? Like talking to him, like he's, oh man, I went a week without, I forgot to pray. What would Micah do if I went a week forgetting to talk to her? That's not a, that's a dysfunctional relationship. Are you talking to him? Are you, are you spending time with him? Is it more than a concept or idea for you? It will not sustain you. If it's not, it just won't. Don't tell me how good a person you are. I'm not talking about how good a person you are. I'm talking about you and Jesus. Like how much do you need him really? So another thing that I've done a couple of times over the past five months, <clears throat> mostly because I'm old, is I've had some uh, minor injury stuff that I've wanted to go work on. And I don't want anybody to judge me right now, especially you, you folks who have letters after your name as doctors. But I went to see an acupuncture person because I didn't want to go see a doctor that wanted to cut me. I've never done acupuncture I'm a little nervous going in. I don't know what acupuncture is going to be. And I get a woman, the acupuncturist, who is Chinese, not Chinese American, like from China, like two years. She's lived here. She did her study over there. The first issue we had was we had an interpretation issue. I couldn't understand anything she was saying, but I didn't want her to know that. It seemed rude. So she pulled out this dark brown like hard plastic thing. And I thought she was saying it's tortoise. Right? And then she starts scraping me with it. And she, no, she was saying it's torturous. And I thought she was talking about a turtle. 
True, that's true. I can't make this up. And I said, ma'am, I can't understand you. Can you speak more slowly? And she said, what, what you do? She asked me what I did for a living. Now, those of you who know me know I don't tell people that I'm a pastor because then they start treating you weird. And I'd already gotten the tortoise deal. And so I'm, <laughs> I said, well, I, I've, I've written some books and I, and I do some speaking. What do you talk about? I said, I talk about God and healing. And she said, oh, I, I know believe in God. I don't believe in God. I said, okay. And uh, she said, I had a customer last week told me, if I don't believe in God, I'm going to hell. What do you think? And I said, well, I think that if a God I didn't believe in created a place called hell that I didn't believe in, I wouldn't want to believe in that God. And she said, you believe in hell? I said, yes. She said, well, that why you, that's why you believe in God. You're scared. I go, no. I don't believe in God because I'm scared he's going to send me to hell. I believe in God because I would live in hell tomorrow without him in my life. She, had, she, she didn't know what to do with that. Like, I would be in hell without God in my life every day. See, I'm a, I'm a, I believe my job is to, like, spread seed. I'm, I, don't, I don't, like, grow the crop. I don't have to close the deal. That's God's deal. And I went back to see her other times. And we had great conversation. But it was all born out of, like, you, God's not a concept. You need him every day. Yes. Then I was seeing someone else a couple of months later. Just interesting, this stuff happening to me. And she's working on my IT band, which I just read that you take a baseball bat and hit me in the face as work on my IT band. It was incredibly painful. And I told her that they would probably be stretching IT bands in hell. And I didn't want that. I bet there was gonna be none in heaven. I'm just kidding around with her. She goes, well, you better do some good stuff then. And I said, no, I know a guy who's already done it all. I'm just going to trust him. What does it mean to trust Jesus? How can I trust Jesus? And I'll tell you what I told her. I said, well, you know what the greatest tool for me has been over the past five years of my life? It's pretty simple because I'm not really smart. And I showed her this. I showed her Jesus calling. She said, why does, that, why does that matter so much to you? I said, because God talks to me and I talk to him every day. Are you, you can download it on your phone and read it every day. I've read it every day for at least five years. Why? Because, not because I'm good. It's because, man, he's the air I breathe. <laughs> So if it took 27 years of at times just living in hell, <laughs> battling for my mental health, if that's what it took for me to understand that I can't, there's not a day without Jesus, that's, that's okay for me. I'll take that trade. Will you? Like in Maybe the very thing you're running from is the very thing God wants to use to turn you into the very best version of you possible. I don't blame you because you want to get away from it. 
But could your perspective shift to that problem being the very thing God is using to build in you exactly what you need to break generational patterns in your family? <laughs> to, ch to change your entire view of the world and how it works, to find peace. Would it be worth it to you? So I want to do this today. Um, I just want to pray for you. We're all on this journey together, right? I have definitely not arrived. But I want to pray there are some of you here who it's, you've never moved beyond a concept or an idea when it comes to a relationship with Jesus. And I, I want to challenge you today that you could look back years later and say, you know, it hadn't been perfect, but my life got marked. My family got changed that day. Even when I didn't have it all figured out yet, that I said, hey, Jesus, I'm gonna give you my life. I'm gonna build a relationship with you. I'm gonna start dating you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm gonna start figuring out what you like, and I'm gonna like that too. I'm gonna talk to you. I'm, I'm gonna ask you to talk to me. I'm giving you my life. And I think there's some of you in here who have never done that. But here's like the elephant in the room. There's lots of you who have known Jesus a long time. But somewhere along the way, the passion for the relationship kind of waned. Here's the cool thing. Jesus is not, for all you adult people, Jesus isn't your mom that when you call, wants to know why it's been so long that you called He's just glad you called. He, he just wants to be with you. Like, he's not disappointed in you. Do not feel ashamed that it's been so long since you've talked to him. Let's just start today. And let God build something in us. Let's change generationally what's happening in our families. <laughs> Let's be the one because he is the one. It's why I wanted to end before I pray with where we began. I was very intentional about bookending <laughs> another version, translation of the words we heard as we began this time together. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I know the last couple of years have been whack for all of us, but it's time. It's time. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for this open invitation to connect with you. that you would want to be in relationship with me kind of blows me away. I know me and you do too. And yet you invite me into this 
ongoing, organic, progressing relationship. And I'm grateful. And if, if, there's, if there's any of you here today who have never really just begun a relationship with Jesus, I, I don't want you to stand up. You don't have to raise your hand. Nobody's counting anything. I just, just where you are in your spirit, in your mind, you could just say, Jesus, I give you my life today. I don't even know what that means, but I want to be in relationship with you. I want to know you better. I want to see the world the way you see it. <laughs> I need some help. I need your wisdom in my life. And then there are for others of you who you've known Jesus a long time. You walked an aisle, you filled out a card, you raised a hand, you prayed, you prayed a prayer, you got dunked in some water. Then it was real, but like life has happened and you find yourself, it's like, man, it's been a long time since I've thought about a relationship with Jesus like that. I'm just so glad he doesn't wear us out. He just invites us back. And so you could just pray this, Father. I, it's good to be back. Thank you for waiting for me, for loving me. I just, I wanna be like David. I'll, everywhere I go, I wanna see you. I want to see you in my office. I want to see you in my car, at my home. I just, I want to grow in my relationship with you because I care about you. Thank you for caring about me. I'm in, Jesus. I receive everything you have for me. And I'm grateful, Father, that uh, you work all things for your good, <laughs> even stuff that isn't good. I'm grateful that you leverage our pain for your glory. I'm grateful for your grace and your mercy in all of our lives. We trust you, Father. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.